Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class, sponsored today by David E. Ash in honor of you. You. Uh, and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Um, I hope when you hear this, you're thinking to yourself that this class was dedicated to you and that you have uh, unbelievable potential and that it's your obligation and your responsibility to ensure that you're meeting that potential. You know, um, it really inspires me, this idea, but it also is an element of uh, concern that a person needs to think about when they come to Yom Kippur. You know, most of the time people are, fo are focused and fixated on the averot that they did, the things that they did wrong in terms of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. They think, oh, you know, I have to do Teshubah for all of my terrible mistakes and my sins and my whatever. But also, a person also has to do Teshubah for their unrealized potential that they did not deliver on. So as an example, imagine a, a, a husband who says to his wife, you know, come on, you know, what, you, you're so upset at me, you know, what, what, what have I done? And she looks at him and she fixes him with a look that lets his blood run cold. Anyone who's married knows this look and they realize that they're about to get shambled and his wife says, it's not what you did, it's what you didn't do. Bore Olam is also going to say that to us. It's not what you did. You, you know, on that side, you're okay. It's what you didn't do. You can have a person who lives the whole year. He does everything right. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, if I would have needed you to operate at 10% of your capacity, then I would have created you as a being that was incapable of doing more. You're not sweating. You're not working. You're not delivering on your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, I wanted to just go through a beautiful uh, a piece that I saw where the author, uh, Matok Kaor, he writes the many different uh, claims and the many different tactics that the Yetzirah uses to convince a person um, to not do Teshuvah. And if we can go through just a few of them this morning together, um, I think that some of you will hear this voice and recognize it and hopefully as well not fall prey to this idea. One of the ta'anot, one of the ideas that the Yetzirah says to each and every person, he says to the, you know, to the, uh, to the, to the Yetzirah, he says, listen, you know, come on, how many avonot did you do already? It's not a big deal. You know, you're not, you're not so bad. You're not, uh, you, know, you haven't done so many... You know, you got up for shul today. You know, you did Shabbat. The rabbi's talking. But is the rabbi talking to me? I think the rabbi's talking to the guy sitting right next to me on this side. And he's talking to the guy sitting right next to me on this side, the guy in front of me and the guy behind me. But me? Come on. You know, how much already does Judaism expect from you? I just, I'm, I'm a regular guy. I'm doing okay. It's not... The person thinks to themselves that they're not doing anything uh, uh, wrong. The, the uh, Sefer, he writes... That the Pasuk says, means and he would skin the Ola, the perfect Korban, the Korban that goes up completely, and then they would carve the Ola, this sacrifice into small pieces, and that's how they would be Makriv the Ola. And he says this is a tremendous answer. This is a, a technique that someone is, it's important that they should learn. If a person thinks that they're perfect, they have nothing to do Teshuvah over, 
then really what they need to do is is to take the skin, the surface, the uh, outside, the exterior off of their ola, of their perfect korban. And you divide it, you cut it up into little pieces and you start to do some actual analysis. You know, I sometimes think to myself, I come to shul and I, I came on time. I put on my tefillin, I put on my talit. But was my head in the tefillah? My head wasn't there. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about my, uh, my rent, uh, my mortgage. You're thinking about the kids in school. You're thinking about you know, the game you're going to go to later today. You're thinking about this, uh, what's it called, the kid's wedding. Your head's not in the tefillah. Now, it is possible for your head to be in both. If you're praying to God about the fact that you can't make the, the rent payment, that's a real prayer. But when you're supposed to be praying and you're just thinking, oh, I have to go to the bank today. You know, you know what? We're going out to eat tonight. We're going to reserve cut. You know, I, maybe we should go to the, maybe we should do dairy. That's not, that, you're not praying for that. That's a distraction. And worst of all, and this is the worst of all, it's a chutzpah, it's a denigration of God's honor. Because God, unfortunately for most of us, He knows our thoughts. So it's not like you're speaking without interrupting your tefillah, but then you're thinking other things. Your, your, the stream of your thoughts is part of your prayers. Could you imagine if you were sitting in front of uh, the President of the United States, you were sitting in front of a congressman, the chief of police, the mayor of the city. Could you imagine you're in the middle of talking to him, you have a problem, you scheduled an appointment, you know, and the guy sits down and says, sure, come to my office. You sit down in his office and you say to him, listen, you know, uh, uh, the truth is I have a very big problem. Um, I'm dealing with this big issue. I hope you could help me. Excuse me one second. Yeah, honey. Yeah, I, I don't think we should go to Reserve Cup. No, I think we should go to the dairy place. Yeah. Which dairy place? I don't know, maybe there's the new place. He'll have them throw you out of your office before you could say chutzpah. Right? That's what we're doing to Borei Olam. When you have these alternate, alternate thoughts penetrate the, th- the flow of what you're thinking about during your tefillah, that's a hefsek. You're, you're creating a pause you're creating a break in your tefillah. So, when you start chopping your day into, you know, guy thinks, you know, I, didn't, I don't speak Lashonara. But what do you mean? You just did that whole thing? Oh, that's not Lashonara. You know, that, the guy was asking me if I should get into business with him. You know, I have to tell him that the guy is a crook. <laughs> you know, that's just the truth. That I have, the truth is, by the way, if someone comes to you and they're asking you, you have information, there's a way that you have, there is an obligation to say what you know. But, but, how much of what you just said do you know for sure? How much of it did you hear at the Kiddush in the synagogue? And you have no evidence one way or the other. How, how do, you, do you know, did you check? Maybe the guy actually paid the other guy back. Maybe it's not, no longer a problem. Maybe your information is old. Maybe it's outdated. Maybe it's inaccurate. When a person looks at themselves carefully, there's no one who does not need to do teshuvah. I get people coming up to me all the time. They're like, Rabbi, you know, uh, I'm a Baal teshuvah. Like, you know, I wasn't religious. Now I did teshuvah. You know what my answer to them is always? Aren't we all? Is there a person who doesn't need to do teshuvah? 
I want to read you an unbelievable line. Um, the, the Gemara says that we bring a korban, hatat, the Gemara Chulin says, right? We say it's called Chatat Lamonai. The, the Korban of the Rosh Chodesh, we say it's a forgiveness, forgiveness Korban, Lamonai Fashem. Says the Gemara Chulin, listen to this. Why do we call it a Chatat Lashem for God? Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Seir Zeh, this ram, Ye Kapara, Ashamiatiti Etayarech. It should be a Kapara for me, because I made the moon smaller. Hazit the moon. He came to me, he said, there can't be two lights in the sky. So I said to the, to the moon, yes, you're right. You should minimize yourself. God needs to ask kapara. God did something wrong. Who's he asking kapara from? And I thought to myself, actually, what Borei Olam was doing, doesn't need to ask anyone for kapara. But Borei Olam was teaching us that if even I have to say sorry. If even I need a kapara, then surely all of you do. So number one, the first line of the Yitzhahara is, you're fine, you're good, you have nothing to do, nothing to do the teshuvah over. Everyone has something to do teshuvah. Everyone can be better. Line number two of the, uh, of the Yitzhahara is, the opposite. Sometimes he attacks you the other way. Not that you're great and you have nothing wrong and you, you're so religious and you do everything right. You, you're so bad, you do everything wrong. What's the purpose? There's no way you can even... Hashem would never listen to your tefillot. You're so far away. Borei Olam will never forgive you for that. In fact, the Gemara says in Shabbat, Kol Shabbat ki Person who keeps Shabbat properly. Afilu oved avodah zara kedor enosh. Even if he does avodah zara like the generation of enosh. Mochilin lo. They bring him mechila. Praiseworthy is a man who does this. Now what, what's amazing is, we see from there that a person could achieve mechila, even on avodah zarah. What's worse than avodah zarah? What's worse? A person could achieve mechila, even on chilul Hashem. You know, the Gemara says that a person who does Chilul Hashem, they profane God's name. They're a disgrace. What happens to such a person? Teshuvah doesn't work. Yom Kippur doesn't work. Yisurin, he gets sick. Everyone's like, Kapara. Hashem's like, nope. <laughs> Not for Chilul Hashem. Says Rabbeinu Yonah. The only way a person, the Gemara says, the only way a person gets Teshuvah for Chilul Hashem is if when the, if and when the person dies, then the pain of passing away brings forgiveness for Chilul Hashem. Rabbeinu Yonah brings a second way. A second way Rabbeinu Yonah says is, if you did Chilul Hashem, you know what the kapara is? Kiddush Hashem. On Shabbat, just now, um, I looked up and I see in the ladies' section, there's a lady standing there and she's crying. So well, I, nothing I could do from downstairs, so I catch the attention of someone else, and I just, I cover my face with the book so she can't, the other one can't see. I said, I point like this, I was like, there's a lady crying, go to her. She walks up to her, she says, the rabbi told me that you're crying. She said, the rabbi saw that I was crying. 
She came to me afterwards, this woman, and she says, I can't tell you what it meant that someone, that you noticed, that you cared, that I was crying. I had many experiences with rabbis and many experiences that were very negative to the point that I actually made me, gave me an animosity. And to see that there was a rabbi that actually cared, I'm thinking, you know what? There's a bunch of rabbis out there who are living great lives, who are doing great things. And they don't know that they committed the biggest sin in the world, the sin of Chilul Hashem. A sin that the, that the Gemara says nothing forgives for. And yet, my friends, Rabbi Yonah says, what should that person do if he did Chilul Hashem? He can't, uh, he's not going to go kill himself, he can't die. So what does he do? Says Rabbi Yonah, he does Kiddush Hashem. He fights to be able to go out there and try me Mikadeshim Shemaim Rabim. Hashem, Be'ezrat Hashem, also, in case I was ever Mechalel Hashem, if I was a Chilu Hashem, if I didn't treat someone properly, Hashem should accept as Teshuvah this act of Kiddush Hashem. My friends, but there's another answer to Chilu Hashem. The Mifarshim, the Sefarim bring that if a person does Teshuvah, it's not accepted. But if they do Teshuvah Me'ahavah, if they do Teshuvah from love, they love HaKadosh, not that they're afraid of getting punished, not that they're afraid of Yom Kippur, they do Teshuvah because they love Hashem. They recognize how much good God does for them all the time. And out of that love is born this desire to rectify. How could I have done this to Hashem? The one that's done so much for me. The one that's done so much for our people. They get this feeling of closeness with Borei Olam. When a person feels and does Teshuvah from love for God, what do we say? All of his Averot, his sins are turned into Mitzvot. He doesn't need to do Teshuvah on Chilul Hashem because Teshuvah from love turns a person the other way around. Okay? What a beautiful idea. So, lesson number two. The Yetzirah says, you're never going to get Teshuvah. Hashem's not going to forgive you. What you did, there's no forgiving for. The truth is, it's not true. We find even a person who does the worst sins his whole life, the Pasuk tells us about, uh, the, the Navi tells us, we just read it, about this person, Hashem says, until the day he dies, I wait for him. Ad yomoto achakelo. Im teshuv miyat There's nothing, as we said, the first answer to the Yetzirah is, there's nothing too small to do teshuvah on. The second thing you have to tell you Yetzirah is, there's nothing too big that I can't do teshuvah on. It doesn't matter if it was this year, or last year, or if you missed 50 Yom Kippurs, that you didn't do teshuvah on it. It was weighing on your mind. You never open that book because it's too painful. You feel too ashamed. Let that shame out. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees the bushah, the embarrassment that you have, and that becomes part of your kapara. I want to share with you an interesting halakha. The Mifashim say if someone has hurt someone else's feelings, they have an obligation to go and make it right. But let's say, as an example, I just want to send an email. I put a post on Facebook. If I hurt your feelings, please forgive me. Mass email to everybody. You get these messages? I hope you forgive me. There's a question that's asked if a person who sends this email or this text is doing anything. Could you send an emissary to someone to broker peace on your behalf? There's a big machloket about this. 
Some say that if you know that the person is the type of guy, that if you walk in, he's going to be so angry, he's not going to listen to you. You could bring in someone else to be the person that starts the process, so you'll actually get mechila. But the rabbis say that if that's not the case, if you send someone else, if you leave a voice note, if you send a mass email, it doesn't work. You know why? Because you're not humbling yourself to go to the person and say, I'm sorry. It's not embarrassing if the guy's not listening to you. Right? You know when you have to say something or you have to admit something to somebody and you call the person and you're praying he doesn't answer. You're praying you get the answering machine, right? You, instead of calling the guy, you leave a voice note, right? Yeah, we've all had that situation. The Chachamim explained that the busha is actually part of the process of kapara. That embarrassment changes. It changes everything. There's a remarkable story. They say, you know, today we don't have these things anymore. But back in the time when there were angels roaming and angels were everywhere, spirituality was much more pr present. So the same way the spirituality was there, also the negative spiritual energies were also there. So there was a fellow, it's a sugya in the Gemara Gitin. A person can be seized by a, so to speak, by a spirit. Now today we would call, psychologically we would call it something else, you know? But a person is seized by a spirit, by, you know? And this person was seized by a dibuk. And he would run away, he had, so to speak, within him, this, uh, an evil spirit. And he would, listen to this story, again, it's brought down in the, in the Sefarim, unbelievable. Anyone that was righteous, he would run away from. Anyone that was a rasha, he would hug him and he would kiss him. Anyway, the Rasha comes in, this spirit sees who this guy is, and in front of everybody he's like, come, I love you, you did this, you did that, you did this wrong. He's giving all a litany of all the terrible things that the guy did. As soon as he finishes, he says, get away from me, get away from me. And they said, what do you, you, second, you keep running away from all the righteous people, but you said you love this guy, you want to be, now you're yelling, what happened just now? He says, when I exposed his sins, the person became embarrassed. And once he became embarrassed, he thought already in his heart, thoughts of Teshuvah, I really shouldn't have done this. I really should not be this way. And already he's a Sadiq and I can't stand him. Wild. My friends, it's such a special thing, the gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us of Teshuvah. You know, Shalomu HaMelech, Rav Pincus brings a beautiful explanation. Shalomu HaMelech in Mishlei writes, al al The door spins on its hinge, okay? Ve'atzel, and a lazy guy, al mitato, he spins in his bed. He turns, snooze, turns again, snooze, rolls over, rolls back, snooze, snooze, snooze. He's like the door that turns on its hinge. Rav Pincus gave a magnificent example. He said, you know, in the yeshiva of Panovich, there's a thousand guys sitting there and learning. There's a big door over there that opens 180 degrees, okay? Swings out. We had a door like this in my yeshiva in Edison. I still remember. It's quite interesting, actually. In the yeshiva in Edison, the Beit Midrash was the old courthouse, a courthouse in town. So it was a, a remarkable thing to pray there on Rosh Hashanah. Because you have the, the, the podium, and you know where the judge usually sits? What's where the judge sits? The Torah. 
What sits on either side, on the witness stands? The Roshay Yeshiva. You're looking up, you think you should be fledged. <laughs> the Torah is judging me. The rabbis know if I came to Shacharit, if I turned up to class, they know if I did what I did wrong. Right? But the doors, it had those double doors of like a court. Okay? Of a courthouse. So uh, Rav Pinka said, he says, you imagine a thousand people. The, the door opens from here till it's foot. It's probably, you know, probably five, six feet of a swing. Yeah? He says, a thousand people. One, two, three, four, five is, yeah? Six thousand feet those doors travel. That's when they come into Shacharit. And then they leave afterwards, they go down to breakfast. Another 6,000. Then afterwards, they come upstairs, right? They come back, you know, they go to the, everyone is, is, leaves, uh, you know, for lunch. Another 6,000. Then they come from Mecha, another 6,000. In, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. In one day, those doors have traveled, who knows? Maybe 50,000, 50,000 feet, 100,000 feet. The doors of the yeshiva. He said, but it's amazing. They're still in exactly the same place. And you know why? Because they don't travel forward 50,000 feet. They travel and they cover the same distance. They go forward, then they go back. And they go forward, then they go back. Says Rav Shimshon Pinkis. He quotes and explains this pasuk of Shlomo HaMelech. A person who's an atzel, who's lazy, the distance they cover in their life is the same turns. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that pasuk was said about me too. I'm doing the same mitzvot. I'm doing the same averot. Six feet forward, six feet back. The question some of us, we need to ask ourselves, including myself here, first and foremost is, what did I bring new to the table? What distance have I traveled in 365 days this year? Or 354 in the lunar calendar? What, and what have I brought that's new? What new ground did I cover? What new class did I join? What new ideas did I incorporate in my Judaism? What new things did I bring to me being a better father or being a better husband? What's new? So we should not say to ourselves, uh, like Shlomo Amelech says, Now the truth is, you know, sometimes a person says to themselves, I, you know, the rabbis, they're always talking about Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, it's very serious, but, you know, I, I did, I'm the same guy like I was last year, if I'm honest. And last year I made it to Rosh Hashanah. Also the year before. I'll probably be fine. Whether you live or die, period, is not the only thing that gets judged. So yeah, maybe God said that you should live, but what kind of life was it? I think to myself about this year, you know, we were all living, but were we alive when we were locked away? We couldn't uh, breathe normally, where you couldn't go anywhere, where you couldn't do anything, you couldn't see friends, families were separated, right? All that, that was also, that's also part of, of the judgment. So when your business failed, but you survived, that was also part of it. Did you not have shalom this year? Was it not a blessed year, even if you were given life? That's the first one. That's the minimum. 
Look at everything that comes after that. Right? What about Parnassah? What about Biriut? You know? All these things are part of what a person is getting judged for. So there's no such thing as, yeah, yeah, I got through last time. I'm going to get through this time. And also, by the way, how do you know just when Bore Olam has run out of patience for you? How do you know when you were given that last chance? You know, at work, they give you a warning. They give you another warning. And after a certain number of warnings, Haron, I don't know how many warnings I've got. You've got to let me know, right? Then they terminate your position. That's how it works. HR reaches out. You know, you can read about it. It's in your brochure, right? This amount of times, warning, warning, fired. You know, Boreo Lam is also sending us warnings all the time. So we don't know. We don't know what this year is going to be like. And everybody who feels sure, I always think this, if you feel complacent, if you feel safe. <laughs> you know, there was once a rabbi, and one of his chassidim came, and he's like, Rabbi, I don't know what to do. The Rosh Kippur, everyone's going to be, it's going to be terrible. I, I, you know, I'm never going to make it out. I'm such a Hashem. Hashem's never going to forgive me. He gives him all the things. Hashem brings Teshuvah. Don't worry if this is going to be okay. The other guy comes to the rabbi. He's like, Rabbi, everything's fine. The rabbi's telling him, don't you know how terrible things could be? He's like, I don't understand. You told the other guy. He says, listen. He says, listen. And I hear in this something that happened in my own life. And I want every person listening to this to, to really understand. I went to someone's house. And I sat down with this man. And I had, I brought my own, like, I had a, I had just gone, come from, for dinner. So I brought a hamburger and I brought a, some fries. I didn't even know I was going there. He asked me to come say some words of Torah. I come, I bring my own dinner. I said, look, I just, I, I just bought it. I come down. This tape, there's silverware on the table. He says, Rabbi, everything's kosher in my house. Everything's kosher. He says, but I, you're a rabbi. Like, I want to go, so hold on. Let, I want to get you plastic plate and plastic knives and a plastic fork. He says, I'm nervous. I said to this man, I said, the fact that you're nervous makes me calm. The people I'm nervous about are the people who are calm. The guy who walks in who doesn't think at all about the plates, about the cups, about the knives, about the rabbi, about the kashrut. If you're not nervous, right, that's a reason to be nervous. If you're nervous, that's a reason to be calm. So the rabbi explained this to his chassidim. And I think that that's true for all of us as well. If we're nervous, if we're anxious, if we're improving, if we're moving, if we're doing, if we're coming together in that way, then it's going to be fine. But if we're all sitting there leaning back like this, you know, you know, looking at God saying, hit me with your best shot. You know, the people that died suddenly this year, they also thought they were fine. And in one second, something just happened with them. Nobody knows. We do not know what today will bring. So it is up to us, my friends, to do Teshuvah. There's nothing too small to do Teshuvah on. And there's nothing too big that God won't give you Teshuvah for. If you examine yourself, if you understand the, the, uh, the giant, the largest of what's going, the largest of what's going on, and you do your best, HaKadosh Baruch will give you all the blessings in the world and accept it. May Hashem see our Teshuvah. Bless us. May Atah. Rabbi Hanayah ben Akashamir.